You're listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hi. And Mike Connolly. Hello. We're taking a trip back to RRR Records Pure Series with Neural's Nerve Scrap today. That's right. It's been since, I think, November of last year we did Dead Body Love, so I think it's time. Wow, time flies. Kind of a long it time sure ago does. without talking about a pure disc, That's huh? crazy. Yeah, that's probably the longest we've really? gone. Uh, but so we just knew wow. it had, we, had to, we had to dig back in and might as well go with just some blistering harsh noise. Really hate my mood today. Well... What else has been hitting your mood, Gray, this week? Oh man, it's been a it's been a hell of a week for listening to noise. Let's see here. I've been dipping my toes in the Sigilum S pool. I jammed Climax Axis and a handful of the seven inches, and also checked out like the their split with Ainsolf. Uh, just like going in on, I don't know, Italian occult ritual industrial noise. Uh, it's funny. A band I've kind of amassed a lot of stuff over the years I, without consciously thinking about, and I just have a wealth of stuff to listen to, so it's awesome. Yeah, to, the to br- brand new one just came out, mm-hmm. so probably I soon. Had, someone actually reminded me that <laughs> there was a new one right. out on hospital right. that I had ordered and just sort of forgotten about. Uh, yeah, yeah, so but, it's super, super exciting. Yeah, you told us you were listening to it, so we had to check it out as yeah, well. Yeah, we, yeah, you, yesterday you were like, dude, been listening to this, so, and which great, you'll, um, as, will be linked on the show page. And the- certainly trying to figure out what some of the titles were just out of curiosity, sent me down some crazy holes. Tara did, Tara's got pages now <laughs> I got of research. I got some esoteric, yeah. uh, so Rabbit we will be there. prepared whenever we do do a singular message. There is so much really to fun. unpack with that project that's like, it's Dude, really, I was going really heavy, obscure. heavy on archive.com. <laughs> .org even. Like, no, sorry, archive.org. <laughs> when I went deep. Downloaded multiple which books. Which as, as our multiple listeners. Multiple books. Which as our listeners know, that's. From the 40s. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't take much for Tara to decide to do a deep no. dive on that's archive.org. True. It's a pretty, pretty. Pretty just easy push into that. Another thing I, I think uh, I've been really obsessed with is Attendant, the whoa, French whoa, brothers. That was do, do it again, Greg. Uh, no, no, just, that's it. You, that get one. Wild. you get one. Attendant. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, listened to the Aurora record, which is really, really amazing, and I think we're going to have to talk about it at some point. Because it is a totally captivating, uh, terrifying, strangely soothing yet threatening record. Have and you ever seen them live? No, I've not. No, I've, I mean they play, but I, I feel like they don't. I don't know. I've never that vinyl on demand box that came out forever ago has like has a live, a, DVD, a live right? DVD of like eighties performances, and they are maybe so heavily like performance and like actionist. Almost yeah. like I remember them like naked, painted in metallic paint, whipping each other with tree yeah. branches and stuff. It, like it's it definitely is that style. Really over the edge. I did uh, just grab a DVD. It's not here yet of all their VHS work. They released a couple of VHSs because Mark Hurtado is a film director. He did he made films with Alan Vega and he's directed a bunch of film work for Attendant. And right on. So uh, that and the uh, Royaume. CD EP also getting some listens. Uh, a lot of people said that's their favorite, the uh, the EP. But 
I don't know. Aurora is it's just kind of the one that struck me first. Yeah, I'm not. Sh- I'm, like, I'm not sure if they play live modernly. I just know that old video. So in yeah. my mind, they play live. But actually, I, I actually have no idea if that if that's a thing that they were doing, you know, in the modern era. And I listened to uh, Black Leather Jesus Torture Machinist. You know, just nice. been kind of in the zone. Hey. Uh, I got a Black Leather Jesus release coming on Chondritic sometime this Whoa, year. And what? so while Exclusive. working on that. <laughs> extra, extra, noise, extra, noise, extra. Read all about it. Read all about it. It's real good, too. <laughs> it's real good. Very excited about it. But, well, you've heard it. You already know this. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, through on Torture Machinist, which is like 90s Black Leather Jesus. And it's it's really nasty wide variety of like electronic stuff there's some great vocals on it torture machinist i mean it's it is what it sounds like heavy blj lineup and great and i've been in a harsh zone also i mean obviously we're talking about neural um got the kakerlak motel dwelling double cd uh reissue of a, a triple tape that was on harsh head rituals uh but phage just did this nice double cd and it is really nice textures kakerlak uh, I think this this came out like 15 years ago originally, and and nice to see a, a reissue, and nice to hear just like the the depth of texture and harshness on this. It stays active, but kind of has a vibe, and yeah, uh, a nice tasty reissue to grab from our friends at Phage. Because you said you're listening to Torture Machinist, I think an interesting thing with Black Leather Jesus, we were listening to the anti Black Leather Jesus. Uh, and what that one's there is like a lineup, it's a three person lineup, but it's so like, what are th- how what are three people doing to make this? Like, because it's just that like it's it's that the tiny it's like I think Tara called it ASMR ASMR like Black mm-hmm. Leather Jesus, where it's just the like the just tight crackly noise for an hour, mm-hmm. but it, it's like. <laughs> Wait, three people made this? Like, it, like, it, I, I love that, though, but I love that about Black Leather Jesus, how it's always a band, right? Even though sometimes- It can show great restraint. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't- You're like, this yes. is multiple people? Yes. Like, I love that, though. I love that. Yeah. I think that framing that way is so great. I think it's important to not try to do too much. I think as we talk about sort of in Trashware sometimes, like- the the urge to do everything yourself. In fact, you and I spoke about this kind of when we did that yeah. recent trash where the urge to do everything yourself and out of necessity, a lot of the time it becomes habit. So you think you got to have five things going on at the same time. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. And it just gets to be the way you operate. But it can be really nice to just focus on. I am playing this spring today through three pedals and that's it. And that's all I'm yeah. doing. And right, right. I'm going to get what I can out of it. And maximize that and you get really interesting stuff that you know sometimes that way what do you guys been listening to aside from like other jesus right yeah 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 well we've been pretty firmly over across the pacific in japan this week i have decided that you know spring is beginning to spring here it's it's springing spring has sprung yes it's nice out Yes. And I, we have decided that CCCC is good weather noise. It's noise you yes. want to hear on a good weather day. 
And this was declared aloud. Mike was like, I decided. I've decided. <laughs> that CCC this is, is spring. Go- it's good weather noise. It's spring and summer noise. Yes. And Listen to CCCC at the beach. Yes. In the sun. Yes. So Amplify Crystal LP. Amplify Crystal 2 cassette. Phantasmagoria cassette. CCCC is so incredible. Yes. And Agreed. The art, of course, obviously working with Obe. So distinctive. I love that, you know, the logo is always there. It just always looks great. It always, like I said, open the window. I really, I think, I think we should be playing it for the whole all the neighbors. I think we they should. would love it. I mean, it'll go with the construction that is constantly happening here. But I think it's, it's like much a nice more, play. Yeah, but I think it's much more like euphoric. Hey, it is. I mean, endorphin factory, right? It, it is. is. <laughs> it's very CCCC is very euphoric, and that's what I like about CCCC so much. And that's been a great. Listen, that's been it's, a been, great it's been a minute since we've been it's in been the CCCC zone. zone. We got real loud this week. Yes, yeah. keep dropping every every fourth C every now and again. I love it. CC. It's very possible. <laughs> CC. It's very possible. Oh, well, you know, it's not polite to count how many C's one says. <laughs> also, a favorite project of this podcast. Been screaming about it. Escore pretension cassette and stall, stall tape. Yes. Looks one of the best covers of all time. Simplicity. Absolutely. It's it's S-Core. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so, it can go anywhere. It can be anything. It can do anything. This one has a lot of bells, and it also has a lot of noise, and it also has a lot of haze, and it's tracks. You know, that's what I love about S-Core, too. It's always tracks, right? Great, just great titles. It's pretension. I mean, dude, S-Core. Pretension, more like perfection. <laughs> you really can't go wrong with S-Core. No, no. You really can't. I mean, it's absolutely, yeah. he's, and hey, mandatory, actually d- just popped into my head, but mandatory reading. Special interest special 12. Intro- you got it. You, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's they, right. Yes. Uh, you know, you heard, we if if you heard our episode on Escore, we relayed some of the mm-hmm. interview on that episode, but there's more in the issue mm-hmm. uh, that we that we did not relay. That so. great mandatory reading for all S core fans and yet to be fans. That's right. What else? Oh, we listened to Kazuma Kubota. Oh, I, I, again, in Japanese, it means relaxing. So Utsuroi. Um, and this was such an interesting album because it's like got this beautiful undercurrent and then something that's like a noisier, harsher element on top. So it's kind of everything simultaneously and it does exactly what it promises to. It's weirdly um, relaxing. And put out by? Amethyst Sunset. You got it. Friend <laughs> yes. Amethyst Sunset. I was actually so also happy did the uh, BLJ this. Bible of Burnt Skin reissue recently. And yeah, this is a project we really weren't familiar with or a no. guy we weren't familiar with. I know that Ninth Circle put out a CD. That's correct. Yeah, I have the Ninth Circle CD. I haven't nice, heard that LP nice. though. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. 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 It, it was. It's really interesting. We, you know, I put it on once and hadn't listened to it three times in a row. So it yeah. was really nice. So we were we were firmly over in Japan this week, but 
I think it's time to get up to the great white north. But right before we cross the border at one of the hardest border crossings in the entire world. Mm-hmm. I think it's time for a word from our sponsors. Whether you get off on sonic extremes, skilled think pieces, or psychologically damaging soundtracks for personal ritual, Misanthropic Agenda has got you covered. Misanthropic Agenda is a noise, sound art, and electronic music label founded by Garrett Whitmer in 1998, releasing CDs and vinyl by the likes of Merzbau, John Weiss, Joe Colley, Dave Phillips, Francisco Marino, Death Throws, Lasse Marhog, Jason Krumer, LHD, and many more. Use code NOISEXTRA at misanthropicagenda.com to receive free shipping on any size order in the United States. Oh, and they've also got a band camp. Hey, look. We had the proper papers. Sometimes we, if you we, have we, the papers, it doesn't we help. We were playing a show <laughs> at a tax-exempt venue. Oh. We showed the border agents our papers. It's all legit. They have led us through. We are now in Canada. We're now ready to listen to Neural. The first time I saw Neural, I had to cross the border from Detroit into Windsor to see him play <laughs> at yeah? some How like cafe uh, art space kind of thing. I remember being great. I remember, and I think about this, I thought about this a lot while listening to this record is that I remember that he had, he had a sculpture, a metal sculpture that he had built that he was playing. That was like saw blades and spring and some welding and bolting, but he had like the nicest, cleanest, array of boss pedals and i think they were all boss pedals they were like uniform nice i think he even had the one that's like the the power pedal you know where you like plug a power thing into it and it redistributes the power to your other pedals right 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 uh (laughs) that that might be a a miss memory (laughs) but uh, i just remember being like man like clean none of my stuff was clean and i was just sort of getting into making noise and getting more pedals at the time so i was buying garbage dirty pedals off of people on craigslist or whatever and to see this person with like a nice setup of clean not all chipped and ragged and with like grime on them pedals making absolutely nasty harsh noise with a big saw blade <laughs> stuff was pretty <laughs> rad never seen neural no i haven't either never seen neural we played a show together in detroit at sometime in the mid 2000s uh, I want to say it was at a bookstore. I might be getting that wrong. Um, and then traveling over to Windsor and maybe once in Toronto, but uh, my memory is not what it used to be. It happens. Yeah. But I've this- enjoyed his sets when I've seen them and uh, yeah, would look forward to seeing him again. He's it's been active this whole darn time. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And this one, Nerve Scrap. It is a pure CD, but it was originally a cassette, a self-released cassette. Right. This is his second cassette reissued on the pure series. And that's one of those things that we don't see a lot with the, with Ron's pure stuff is a reissue. It's usually like a bespoke material for that release from, from mm-hmm. largely what I've been able to discern from the ones we've been doing. There's not a lot of other existing versions of it out there for the pure discs, but this one is a reissue of the second tape. Well, as, as far as I know, off the top of my head, the Ramlas and the Le syndicates would be go under the category of collections or reissues. Right. I think the, the Le syndicates are reissues. The Ramla was sort of a, a collection, collection thing, right? Yeah. But what's also interesting about this is that the original tape has titles this CD does not, and it's does not include 
all the tracks. There's one track missing from what we can tell. Unless there's a split, you know, or like some, right. something that, yeah, it's, it's really, your guess is as good as mine on that. Maybe we'll get to the bottom of that one day. Right. And then the CD is just Neural's address, right? Yeah. Or, or, the disc face right. just has his address on it. Yeah. So it's wow. just, it's just one of those just really bare, pure packages. And again, I think that's, that was part of the idea, you know, behind the series. And actually it's funny. I was, talking with somebody about pure this week and it's it's funny to think how we take for granted that pure i mean for us pure has always existed right it always does but it's funny to think how it didn't always exist and someone like ramirez was going for five or six years before pure not that he actually doesn't have a pure cd but but just you know, self abuse, mother savage. It it just in my mind, pure was before everything, and it is existed since the beginning <laughs> of time. At all, it's right, just that funny it's thing because, because it's a larger, so, large part of a larger whole yeah. with with R yeah, exactly. as well. But it's it, that was yeah. there and networking just, and doing those things. Yeah, it's just funny to think about like how it go. Oh, yeah, it didn't always exist. Like even though it's, in my mind, it just since the dawn of time, since you know the cavemen were scraping rocks and stones and bones together. They had a pure CD back in BC times. And starting in the mid nineties and sort of a drive to get away from precious packaging and Mm -hmm. just doing generic packaging and letting the noise speak for itself. Pure. Pure. It's uh, it's very interesting. And against sort of what was going on at the time. So I think it's cool to see these pure CDs still. And I, I, yeah. I like looking it at never, the disc. It's I, got that Neural logo on it, which is like if I think of Neural, I think of his logo because it's got it's like a stencil. the The center of the R is like completely blocked in, you know, because like didn't cut a line to do the little. I don't know what the name of the negative space in the R is, but if I think of Neural, that logo is immediately brought to mind. But New Force has also contributed uh, an interview, which we read for uh, doing this episode. Yep. Uh, thank you very much. And also as well as a great interview at terror.it, which uh, speaks uh, with Alan, Alan Bloor, who is the man responsible for neural a lot about uh, his recording and his instruments that he builds. But this predates the building of instruments for neural. Yes. Yes. Cause this is his second release. Correct. Chronologically. Right. And it's funny because I, I just got, I did get slightly confused. These two, the smarter one over on this side of the screen and then the smarter one over on that side of the screen realized that. And there's a point, I want to say it's in the second track. It's in the third track. It's the third track. That I was like, man, I swear this is bass, but it must just mm-hmm. be a metal spring on a sculpture he made. And I was doing this to myself, Tara. And I sometimes we discuss while we're listening, and sometimes we do we do yeah. the silent listen. And this we just did a silent listen on this one. And so I was like, oh, but I, it must not be a bass because this is a later release. And then it just, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't go into my through that thick skull of mine that oh yeah no this is pre that so well, yes. It is bass. Well, and he says he used bass on the Yes, early and I, I can see where it'd be confusing because I think in the interview he said on his first four releases he wasn't using the sculptures. He was using things such as a fan with contact mics woven into it, uh, a typewriter, bass guitar, and and other, I think, pickups, other Which things. Which totally makes sense. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, 
But it's it's easy. Like if we hadn't read that interview prior to listening to it, there's no way we would have known. Also, well, because, true, true. You know, it was just his first like four releases, so we would have assumed that he had been into sculpture by now. Yeah, because that's just point. how I think of neural. Yes, and exactly. Right, right. And you literally the my I mean my notes are basically garbage because <laughs> I literally the literally my first thing is wild noise sculpture time. No, it's not. No, no, I. I- I think when you wrote scratch and scrape into oblivion, that is no, actually think, yeah, yeah, yeah. true. Yeah, that is yeah, actually yeah. true. So Alan Bloor, a.k.a. Neural, is a welder. He is a TIG welder. So, you know, when he's making his sculptures, he does make them uniquely for each performance and then disassemble them after the performance. So it, it is that is why we would all just assume he's doing those because like once you see neural or you see photos or videos of neural, how can you forget like, you know, a saw blade attached to a big like stainless steel scrap metal sculpture with some crazy stuff coming off of it. It's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. It's very memorable. Uh, It is. It is. But (laughs) I think that it's interesting here to hear that his sound comes through without the sculptures without these sort of instruments he builds. Cause right. this is just nasty, harsh metal noise. There's lots of ringing metal. I kept trying to remember that this is like mid nineties. And so there's some filtering on here. I hear like a nice filter and then it's like, Oh, that's probably a wah pedal. Like my guess is either like a parametric EQ kind of scoop or a wah pedal for a lot of these filtering sounds. And, I, again, the wah is an underutilized tool in the noise arsenal, I think, and I, I'll i listen to it all day <laughs> on, on some noise <laughs> releases. I mean, some of my favorite harsh stuff has wah. Government Alpha, definitely using a wah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Oh, Tara, Tara just... I'm wear, I had to show off my government alpha Tara t-shirt that I'm wearing. wearing a government alpha t-shirt <laughs> right now. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, too, with this. I mean, this is... It's, it's nasty, junky noise. And while, there, while each track is distinct, I mean, it is what you hear in minute one... It's like this is what this is where you're at for the next hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but it does change and go well, through sure, sure, some sure. zones in a really nice way. But yes, it, you you it hits the you overall, harsh and it stays harsh. Yeah, the mm-hmm. overall feeling is set right at the beginning. You don't. And I, and I like that. I like. Yeah, that. you don't go into atmospheric places. It doesn't like change up the vibe. You don't just suddenly have some some other like samples introduced. Like it is it is the palette of um, harsh junk, know, harsh chaos junk. Yeah, I would say one of the things that I don't hear on this really, and and he doesn't seem to rely on for this release at all, is reverb and not much delay. There's some looping going on, but mm-hmm. and and occasional delayed stuff, but it doesn't sound like that's not a big part of the sound. The sound is yeah. the activity of. Scraping, hitting, rubbing, yes, filing the metal through distortion. That's really funny. I made a note because I started saying, "Oh, I love that loop," and then I was like, "Is this looping?" And I made a note and saying, "Ask Ray if this is looping." Well, there's definitely parts where it there is like a, sh- a some short 
what feel like loops that show up, but it also could be just repeated action of mm-hmm. hitting or sawing right. at something. And there's times when I had that same question of like, that felt like a loop, but it happened four times and it kind of sounded a little bit different each time. So not, not a loop probably. Well, <laughs> you know? I don't know. The, because there is the physicality to it. I mean, especially I'm just looking at my notes now. And since these tracks are untitled in the way this plays, Honestly, I may be jumping around when I talk about things, but I'm looking at track four, which is we get it's like a 13 minute track. Oh. And that's where I really was hearing this churning and grinding and, and maybe tear that like that felt to me like possibly it was like the human loop, like the, yes. the, the you know, the Just swirling. It's not, on a, it's not a loop from a pedal, but mm-hmm. it was a human loop. And I like I like human loops. Yeah, that I, one actually wh- starts with the cable buzz, too. And like that nasty high tones. There's a lot of cable buzz on this record. <laughs> There's a lot of cable buzz. And actually, you know what's interesting? And, and it's in a, it's in the interview with with New Forces. He's, he states that he's not he wasn't necessarily interested in electronic noise. But this is a very electronic record to me. You know, like the, the noise, it, it, it's going through electronic pedals. I, the pedalness never to me, to me, the pedalness never goes away and that's again that's not a that is in no way i i i, I like that but yes there's I, never I, an I unprocessed sound I was like su- yes all the sound that is like is when, electronically processed if you're hitting like the heavy typewriter that was being hit or something scraping or something grinding or you know the the resonant sound of banging onto something metallic yeah all those junk sounds are processed like you get you get pieces of them and like even the bass like especially on the third track. on the third track I can really really hear you know that lovely low bass and I and I love it I, I just I wrote it oh my god that's so nice but that's honestly the least processed sound that you're getting in here yeah so I just think it's interesting that in his mind he wasn't he wasn't into electronics but I've in as a listener mm-hmm. I hear the electronics well, certainly there's no synthesizer. He makes a point in one of the interviews and in saying that he doesn't like. Well, sure, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah. He doesn't use a synthesizer for noise. And I I kind of disagree with you there, Connolly. I I know what you're saying in that like, okay, you yes. You just were talking about his boss pedals, the wah. Like that's very electronic. I guess, but it doesn't. The physicality outweighs it. And I don't, I didn't really feel until the last track, uh, track nine, which is also 12 minutes. Right. That was actually the first time I think I wrote electronic in my notes. And Mm -hmm. that's because that one actually feels like an electronics piece. It doesn't feel, I hear less of the metal in it. I hear less of the, 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 physicality the hitting the scraping so see this is so funny because in my listening on track nine i was like this is the most metal i'm hearing on the entire album you're talking about (laughs) the metal is the metal is clanging and cutting through yeah more so than other tracks and then for me a track like track five there's that open closing open closing of a pedal the Open, close, open, close. That's that, that that's, wah, that filter work that I'm right. talking about. Right, so again, yeah. the filter. It makes it choppy. You've and got so, that like, scramble. Right. So but hey, 
this is right. Isn't this what's great about noise? We literally just listen to the same album and we have <laughs> totally different experiences hearing it. I love that. Yeah. Just like on the on this week's Patreon seven is you guys both heard voices on it. And I did not hear it at all. I yeah. love that though. I think but, it's, but, but I think it's, it's great. so funny it's... that we had almost the exact opposite feeling on track nine. That's so funny. Well, we here's here's what Alan says um, in that Italy interview. Uh, when he was asked, is there any mastering done to your recordings at all? Uh, he says, I don't use any of those to process because I like the spontaneity of sound. There's something I don't think I could get in overdubbing. I don't like to enhance anything after the recording. And I've always believed that something recorded should sound like it does live. I've never been a big fan of synthesizers and noise. I don't do any mastering. I record straight to CDR and burn off the usable material onto another disc. Right. So it does feel live. And, and yeah. I, I, so I, I think that's the thing too. Like when we hear this, even after like maybe using some of the same pedals and, and, you know, honestly, like using metal junk and things like that when we're recording, like I can hear what's going on and I can hear the process. So you like, you, you definitely envision him doing this live and you can see that it's being made organically and being made through, you know, with human movement and physicality, but it's also like, you know, what's processing is happening, but, and maybe that's just from, from doing it the same way. Occasionally, well, it, but I but I definitely hear I hear the presence of that the pedal and the effects. Well, and also I think it is because you do hear the buzz. It's one of the first sounds mm-hmm. on, on the first track, so I'm immediately ready for that. I'm, I'm yeah. immediately thinking electronics because I hear cable the, buzz. The cable. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm not saying well, it doesn't no, sound no, electronic. No. What it's I'm not, this yeah. is, it's, this is <laughs> yeah. this is true. Uh, this is not. This is true subjective sure. listening. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm. I'm. I'm explaining my listening experience. I mean, obviously, like I said, we're talking about. Uh, you know, he mentions using uh, some the speakers from some headphones Sony Walkman. as yeah, yes. from Sony Walkman headphones as uh, contact mics. You know, yeah, stuck Love into that. the blades of a fan or stuck on other things and. Of course, early experimentation with like, oh, you can plug headphones into something and it becomes a microphone <laughs> mm-hmm. when, you know, that that same style of uh, approach to it. But yeah, I hear I hear fuzz. There's a fuzz pedal on this. So there's mm-hmm. certainly yeah. it's crackly, nasty, rattly fuzz that's happening here. And that's electronics. It- and I talk about the wah and the use of the wah and the filtering and, of course, electronics. But greater than that in my mind or maybe more key to the sound is the act of playing this stuff playing the source sure sound. sure 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 and, and again actually I, it's not anything i would have pointed out other than it was interesting to me that he said he you know wasn't necessarily into electronic noise and so it was just interesting to me that from a listening perspective something that piqued my interest in terms of his journey into noise would be that he was inspired by machine shops and being inspired by just the sound of, you know, whatever it's called, the shop, the studio, places where you're welding, where people are grinding and assembling things and just really saying, I like the way this sounds. This should be recorded. I want to recreate this, you know, in my own way. And, people pedal style the the feel of being in this absolutely industrial zone like literally and 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 create it through sound art you know how many people came to it that way yeah right right from being in a machine shop to wanting to make those same sounds 
from being an arc welder <laughs> into saying like, you know what? I love the way this sounds so much. I'm going to record it. And, and even like making it so personal by, by taking things from his home and, and taking things that he likes the sound of. And, and I love that he says that he likes heavy steel for neural, but stainless steel is better for fold his more ambient project. Like even like incorporating, um, you know, different things that are so personal, assembling them for that performance and making something that is so unique to the, to the moment and to the person. It's great. It's awesome. <laughs> and it's what makes, it's what makes neural neural. I mean, he stands out from a lot of the other harsh noise and, and, you know, we've mentioned government alpha a couple of times here today. So I'm going to mention it again. Whereas like when I, the, what differentiates the two to me, yes, I, you know, a myriad of factors, but even in terms of like thinking about him and talking about him here or an electronic sound, government alpha is, pedals fed into pedals and there's not this metal sculpture or this object mm -hmm. on the end of mm -hmm. it. Just like, you know, Masana is using voice. So I don't, I will think of government alpha as electronic noise because kind of the entire circuit is electronic. The entire right, loop right, of what right. he's using. Whereas Masana is using voice. Neural's using a piece of metal or right. sculpture or whatever it is. And so that's, that's sort of, I guess why it's different to me is like, it doesn't sound like someone playing the electronics. It sounds like someone processing a different, you know, something with the electronics. And that is a, a much different sound because mm -hmm. yeah, there's definitely. a humanistic yeah. element that's not tied to strictly the turning of a knob or, or play, you know, pressing something on a synthesizer. Yeah. It's organic source. I mean, right, he's, right, he's, right. he's using human powered organic source material in, in his electronic process. Oh, totally. Totally. And yeah, <laughs> human and, and, powered and, and, organic source material. It's going to credit it on my next release like that. Like, oh, there, you sound really, there you go. Really <laughs> special. Like, yes, I like that. That, that human yeah. powered and, organic and, source material over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and again, like just to be incredibly clear, my, all my reason of even bringing this up has nothing is, is not, is not, critical in any way i love the way this sounds and yes there is that nastiness there is that junkiness mm -hmm. there is that humanness it's just an interesting point that i'd be curious to hear more of his thoughts yeah. on was there a track that stood out to you on this or did it it's so feel funny i was gonna ask this like oh i there's a there's a or couple feel, here or, or did you or, or is it about the whole to you no, I think uh, track six is a different thing with the kind of high scraping and the fuzz work, and it's very kind of dirgy. The second half. Scratch and scrape into oblivion. <laughs> That's As right Tara that. wrote for my notes, it's exactly what I wrote for this one. Uh, but six, seven, eight are really kind of distinct in that the first half of it really, and try and maybe imagine this as the, well, I think six, imagine this as sides of a tape or something like six kind of hits a new zone and then seven was my favorite track. It is, it's got the, it's really active, really pummeling, really cr like crushing kind of whip fast. That track seven is the single to me. Track seven's like the, the hit. Track seven was also my favorite. Yeah. That's track that's seven the was the noise funnel hole of metal and pedal. <laughs> you know, I I, I love it too. I love the it. reason I really like track seven is because it had the feeling of it being like a metal vessel, like an inverted bell or something that was hollow. And I like when a metal sound kind of reveals what shape that metal might have. Mm. And and I thought that it it had that. And there's grinding and 
you know, we love the sound of grinding, like erosion is so nice. Um, but the, the grinding and also I felt that in seven, the speed would vary. So it'd be like a slower grinding and then it amplified to a, a faster pace and, you know, always, always a sucker for that. Um, love it. And on track six, I thought, I heard like a chain and air and I was wondering if the fan was being used on track six, because to me, that one just sounded like wind, um, you know, hitting, hitting a microphone and that very, Honestly, that was, that's track eight for me is like, Wind. Dude, it's, it's we. It, do you think we yeah. all listen to a different do we album? Listen to a different album? I don't even know. To, I think this this is well, more than like track more seven. so than usual. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but, but I, I do. I I absolutely see the the six, seven, eight. This kind yeah. of sweet. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. and look, I also really liked like the end of track three. Whenever that. You know, when you are contact yes. miking something and you're using friction to rub it and it hits this point to where now we're on the same page to where it sounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it sounds almost like voice. Um, right. You know what I mean? And, and I and I felt that happening on this one where the friction of rubbing was giving that kind of moan sound. And I love that moan sound. And it was roaring. And then it definitely punctuated with some like feedback squeals. So you got, you got like a demon roar and squeals, you know, that's we, just so good. And the lows and highs are yeah. kind of fighting each other. Yeah. You have both yeah, they're they're battling they're, it out. Especially the, mm-hmm. the last minute of three, it's got, it's, it is that creeping static with the tones kind of coming through and the, the piece before oh, and the it, bass, the bass yeah. is kind of running through that whole thing. And there's like this nice bass undertone, but then there's also sort of like a, pretty frantic freak out over the top for the first chunk of this song with these sort of like on offs in it that ah, sounds really cool. Three was also kind of a standout. I really liked the the way it ended sort of that last minute of it. It just turns into this sort of overwhelming rush of stuff with kind of feedback creeping out of it. And I thought the sound of the, the static on that, that kind of noise fuzz, whatever is going on there was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. I really, mm-hmm. I really, I was really into that one. And again, it was, I was hearing the bass thinking maybe it was like a metal spring, but no, in fact, it was more yeah. than likely an actual well, bass. And which that's is, so funny too. Cause Mike, you, you had a metal spring on your bass. Yeah. Uh, discussed, <laughs> so discussed in uh, trash river. That is true. No, that is true. So that's what that I was thing. picturing oh, was yeah. that spring. <laughs> that is true. But I mean, he, he, he started playing, you know, he started in, in punk bands, right. Mm-hmm. And, and playing. Yeah. I think bass. Yeah, and he plays guitar, classical guitar, has been learning to play the violin. Well, he built uh, like a, a junk a metal, metal violin, violin. Yeah. yeah, which is awesome. That, Have you that seen him do that? Was or, was cool. that or was that, that was late after I haven't the summer? seen that, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, that, that interview is from a little bit ago, so he maybe he, he might be already an expert at violin at this point. Yeah, at this we, point, he's just like know, totally good. He's yeah. working with the New York Philharmonic. Uh, you know, maybe he was the Toronto the nut- Philharmonic. The tr- oh, sorry, You're right, right. Of course, yes. <laughs> that border is tough to cross, man. It's 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 not easy. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's gotten easier though, right? Isn't I've I've heard that it is actually they say that, and then you know we don't it make is it through. easier to cross. I, you know, but I'm, I mean, like even for playing shows, I, I I've I thought you don't have to have all the same stuff you used to. The first time I ever crossed the border was in Vancouver and I crossed it like three times in a day because I had to come back and pick somebody up on the other side. Oh. And so my <laughs> the third time my car got taken apart. 
<laughs> like search oh, through, yes. taking right. off interior panels yes, and stuff. I bet. Not not fun. And Wait, they took your car apart. They took they Ooh. took like panels and stuff off of it. Yeah, it was oh. not. They didn't I like completely happen. I've had that happen. It, oh yeah, happen. I mean we've had some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, yeah, it's always a pain. And then I I've never really had a big problem crossing the border except one time apparently uh one of my passengers had some flags on their uh on their ID oh, and been there. Right. That's how we've I've been had there. that. <laughs> happen, <laughs> not me, but with somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would be and nice like, to know ahead of time usually if you might have a problem uh-huh. crossing at the border. I think people don't realize how difficult it is to cross into Canada for a purpose. Like if you just say you're going there, it's one thing if you like have papers and are playing a show or you have gear, you have more than like a day's worth of clothes, then it just becomes a whole thing. Hours played was like Casa de Popolo or whatever. Like you have papers and it's pretty easy to to cross over. Not necessarily. I will. will, I'm going to tell a little story about getting turned away from the border with papers. (laughs) This was a dark time. (laughs) I had, I had a couple failing light shows, uh, just a little solo weekend by myself. I rented a car. Casa de Popolo is one of them. So I had all the papers and and for anyone who doesn't know those, there's venues in Canada that were, you know, ta- I don't know exactly what the technical category they're in, but mm-hmm. basically you did not have to pay for a work visa to play these shows, right? Casa de Pueblo is one of those places. That and the great. work visas can be pretty expensive. Right. So all the places I had were that. I had all, all the papers get up to the border, you know, Four in the afternoon. I think Toronto was the first show, so it was only you know pretty close or whatever. Maybe three, early, you know, early afternoon, and you know get up there. Hey, what are you going into Canada for? Playing some shows. Uh, you know, do you have any paperwork? Sure, do. All right, just pull over, go in. We'll go over it. And, you know, again, I'm just like, snap my fingers. This is gonna be a good time, yep. a little weekend. You know, they come out to like, you need a work permit. I'm like, no, no, no. These these venues, I don't need them. Here's all the paperwork, and they're like, well, you're lying. And I'm like, no, no, no. There's like phone numbers on all these papers. You can give them a call. And it goes, and then, then the, the woman literally goes, well, you're lying. So everyone I call is going to be lying too. And right then I'm like, I'm not getting in yeah. today. And she goes, you're not getting into Canada. And it's going to take three hours for you to not get in. And that yes. is exactly what happened. So yep. Turn she literally it said, you are not getting into Canada today. And uh, it's insane. Like, what do you do? And then they flag you for every fl- border no, crossing. No, no, no. So you can't and go she to another told place. Me that. She yeah. goes, and don't think about going to another crossing. Cause I've alerted all the, all the other crossings. Yeah, got that so, flag now. Yeah. So they wanted that $200 really bad. Yeah, apparently the, <laughs> I, it must've been, you know, very, you know, Snoopy, uh, Charlie Brown, the dejection in me, the kind oh. of like hunched over, like, Oh, like just <laughs> gonna go have a fun time. Like, you know, it, it was so it was the the excitement to the dejection was it was it was very real. And then palpable. it's crazy. And then sometimes you go up there and they're just yeah. like, you have papers. They Dude, don't even look at them. And they just wave you through. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's happened in a van. Yeah. W- that happened to me. Hair police and a van full of multiple people. Sketchy looking dudes. <laughs> Literally just, hey, we're playing some shows in Canada. OK, have fun. See ya. What? And we, we thought we were on like a, a prank show. <laughs> I uh, Are they going to shoot us when we drive away? Yeah. <laughs> I had crossed the border with my friends in Youth Code. They were playing some shows in Canada and I was along for the ride. And they 
we got we got stopped and we go we were going across a border that I knew we were crossing in from Detroit over to Windsor. I'm like, okay, go to the third aisle. It's always like a you know, always be like a, a oh, younger yeah. lady at the at the thing we roll up. It's like she's got like dyed black hair, you know, like black right, fingernail right. polish. I'm like, all right. All right. You know what are you doing? Where are you going? Like, oh yeah, we're gonna play. Uh, we're crossing over. We're gonna play some shows with uh, with Skinny Puppy. And she's like, oh Skinny Puppy, go right ahead. <laughs> Just awesome. like, oh like God, told shut you, up. third one from the left. That's like, oh, we got a good chance here, <laughs> and we sure did. <laughs> that's like the perfect storm. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes, but I mean, you cross the border. And this was what's playing in your car. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they would let you in if they heard. You're, they see your they, saw blade violin. And then yeah. you're like, what's that? Oh, it's my. It's just my saw blade violin. Oh, but that's my, Um, you know, the cello I made. I have to play it, you know, standing up. Yeah, no, it's I know really it looks like a machete no, with a deal. saw blade and a, you know, and like a whatever <laughs> on it. But no, it's it's an instrument. Oh, yeah, totally. I, then you hear and you're just cranking track two with that crumble that just falls <laughs> into the high tones and just the the metal and the junk and everything's just falling to pieces. That's that track. Everything starts falling to pieces at the end. Mm-hmm. Actually, track two is I love the pacing of the whole thing. Yeah. Like it comes mm-hmm. it comes off of the first track and kind of continues that vibe. But there's something about it's sort of languid for the first half of it or something where it's just operating on its own time. And I noted that it sounds guitar like at the end. <laughs> like I was, uh, yeah, yeah, must have been know, the bass. Probably. And this one also has a nice tension to it. Yeah. It almost feels like there's a holding back. And I like that. That's that, when was, I'm talking about the pacing. That's yeah. That, yep. that tension and, and is I, what I'm referring I to. I think right? it's, it's because great. you can really hear something metallic resonating during this. And this it, especially, Yes. And it was almost like, you know, that like ship's bell through the fog that you hear like, yeah. dong, <laughs> and so it just yes, really yes, brought yes. everything down. This so you hear that. that nice resonating. Yes. And it bring, and it makes you think of like fog and water and all of those nice things. So, yeah, it was just such a nice ending um, in in the interview for New Forces. He was asked about, you know, what it's like to play before a crowd. And I, I was really excited when. Alan told a story of, he he said, basically, people are interested in seeing an instrument they've never seen before. And what they're hearing is the oral equivalent of 12 train wrecks. Some people get it and some people don't. One time I made someone physically ill and this person had to leave. To me, that was just as satisfying as someone who applauds. (laughs) I thought that was great. He made somebody physically sick. But I wanted to ask you guys, if you're at a show, like, are there are there sounds that make you cringe and that kind of make you sick? Like I don't like um, when two cardboard boxes squeak together, and when you know when they touch and they make that you squeaking. get you get gaggy. When I, you hear I, that. I gag. Yeah. Like I once somebody was moving boxes and they thought it was funny, and I, I was like, "Look, um, I'm sorry, you're making that sound a lot, and I will throw up." And they didn't believe me, and I threw up uh, from <laughs> that sound. Yeah. Uh, so, is there any sounds that you guys don't like? I mean, definitely. I'm trying to think though. I'm trying to actually think of anything specifically that gives me the, you know, for, for lack of a better term, the nails on chalkboard. Yeah. Right, you, know, the, right. the, you know, that's the standard, right? I'm trying to think if there's anything that really gives me that. Or at a show that makes you have well, to right, leave. No, and, and I'm thinking in the context of of a noise show. I don't, I'm not sure. I mean. I mean, sometimes really loud high tones well, are painful. Well, right. I mean, and again, you know, I've definitely felt off and ill during some of the old school Prurient feedback amp sets. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, we've, all, we've always talked yeah. about the Kevin Drum show we were all at in, yeah. in the concrete room. Yep. That was physical. It was barf-tastic. Um, I'm trying to think, though, if there's been any, like, if I've any had any severe reactions. Have you, Gray? Nah, no. I mean, like, Damien Romero at No Fun Fest, I remember it just, oh, like, right, you said gut that. punch oh. sucking the air out of the room. I've thrown up on stage or as a result of playing yeah like head banging too hard uh well one was i i credit the restaurant we had at before uh and then literally mid-set i dumped my stuff out of my suitcase and used that as the receptacle and continued playing old case not this case did not that case <laughs> went like, in the dumpster make it. did not it didn't make it back like styrofoam. Well, you Ooh. love using styrofoam. Yeah, because it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, styrofoam uh, squeak hey. is pretty gnarly. Okay, so if you want to amplify that styrofoam squeak, I'll give everybody a tip. Get that styrofoam wet and then uh, rub it on glass. Ooh. Wet styrofoam on wet glass. Uh, is Tara actually sounds like she's made an my back like Horrible noise. Yes, Tara's <laughs> Tara's an expert at making vomit. I, I do. I absolutely like, love it. Ill-feeling sounds. <laughs> Rubbing styrofoam on a balloon. That'll that'll hurt you. I'm not. I, okay, we can stop talking about this now. I'm getting like a crick in my neck. <laughs> so I hurt right, the teeth. Right. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about like really great, like really harsh cool, noise sounds. Rumbly like sounds. The ninth track where I heard metal. Gray heard none. But, I heard. I said I can hear the metal. But. The Venn, di- the Venn diagram of all of that is that we all still love this track, whatever we heard. Oh, yeah. The, the ninth track is great. And I, it's not that I didn't hear the metal. No, no, it felt I know more like mean. the playing of the electronics than it did yeah, the metal. Yeah. Although my first word is grind. Like it was a, a weird kind of grinding thing. And mm-hmm. this one, I thought there might have been some fan on, too. Wow. But well, it's a really cool culmination of everything that came before it, too. It, it the the last track yeah. serves as a perfect end cap. I think it it yeah. builds and it goes through a couple zones. Like I said, that six seven eight group is really strong, and kind of my my favorite stuff. Although you know, track five is really nasty and has some kind of uh, like loop works in it and the spastic cuts and these little, little silences in between. And I wonder if that's from the editing or the recording to CD or what that might be. Right. Cause he said he recorded to CD. Now I wonder if he did this early. I mean, would that, I, I mean, what technology, what, what would have the recording process been? Cause I know some people who do record to CDR still, which I've never done mm-hmm. that, but I mean, I know it is, it is. It's done. It is done. I've never actually right. recorded two CDR. Um, would he have been able to do that around this time? Do you think, Ray? I'm not sure. Right. When maybe like, made is you know prosumer sort of CD things came around. That seems a little early. Yeah. You no, know, it's it's funny though because in this CD we hear some tracks where there is like an. End, and then it goes on a little longer and there's sort of a pop that like there's a tape you hear the tape yeah. stopping in my mind you hear oh, I'm sure a couple of the tape or what or like turning off a pedal can do that sometimes too mm-hmm. oh we're seeing my, in my i actually i actually literally wrote down on track eight i said i like hearing the tape stop uh, <laughs> but i but, but maybe it is or maybe not yeah. or maybe it's ron transferring the tape <sighs> Sure. And then hitting stop. Right. I we mean, don't know I don't the process know. on know. this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like mm-hmm. I like that though because it what it does is it gives it more of that 
homemade quality to me. So I actually truly did like that sound at the end of some of the tracks. Now, in my mind, it was literally hitting the tape stop, but maybe you're right. Maybe it's turning off a pedal, right? But it, it gives it either way. It gives it the physicality, whether or not it's the physicality mm-hmm. of turning the pedal off or whether it's the physicality of stopping the tape while you're recording it in. Right. And some of these tracks also end with fades. And was that like those were done in, you right. know, in the mix, like while he was recording, uh, it's uh, there's, there's some questions yeah, with the to knob? answered. Who knows? I thought it was really interesting um, hearing the first people that he corresponded with. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I'll just read a direct quote. How about that? How about it? What was the interest like in those early self-release tapes? The interest was really positive. Luckily, I was advised to send a tape to Joe Romer, and he really liked it and wanted to trade for some of his Mother Savage releases. Joe sent my releases all over. I started getting mail from Taiwan and all sorts of places. I sent a few to Triple R, and Ron released my second tape on his Pure CD catalog. After that, I just kept getting out tapes and sent them to Triple R and Self Abuse. Patrick at Self Abuse took quite a few. Those guys really helped me out quite a bit. I mean, but I love that he sent it to Joe Romer and then Joe Romer was like, I'm sending it all out. Like, cause he was corresponding with so many people. Like, that's so cool. Yes. And he was big on that. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, doing, you know, he was, he was great about getting things that he believed in out to other people and spreading the word. And as obviously Pat and Ron, I mean, look, yeah, it's like, Oh, let me, let me get it to the three, you know, Three of the best people to get your tapes to <laughs> right. in yeah, the like, early nineties, and then obvi- so he did a tape on Deadline. So obviously Ramirez was also in the mix. So yeah. it's like, yeah. it, you know, it's I I love looking back and seeing that that you know the contact, and then and then yeah, seeing that the I you know again love to hear about that just that organic way of send it to a couple people, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden those people send it to a couple people, and then now all of a sudden someone from Taiwan's hearing it, and someone from Japan's hearing it. And they're like, you know, you should send and... that to Joe Romer. But, but but the way that it's, how cool it, how cool it must have felt the way it happened then through yeah. the mail and right. the time that it took, not just immediate, the time that it probably took, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's like, oh wow, someone from Taiwan... Got a hold of my Yeah, tape. you're connected to it's, so it's many cool, people all over the world. It's yeah, great. It's just such a cool, obviously, it's one of the things we can't stop thinking about on this podcast, just that mm-hmm. time and that feel and that excitement, how how exciting that must have been for Neural. And how know? to connect around the world at a time when, you know, it, it wasn't through the internet. Yeah. The, as we think we stated before, the original tape does have track titles. And while I think the first track was titled Head Press, most of the titles seemingly are, I don't necessarily know if they're made up, but Tara was trying to look them up. They seem possible approximations. What did, what did you discover on some of the original titles, Tara? So they were like amalgamations of other words or maybe something taken from like, a, you know, like a, and there was one that was like a species name for an insect, but not the full part of it. It was just part of it. So, you know, maybe... They aren't nonsensical and they mean something. I just was not smart enough to figure out what it is. But uh, I I think that it is that play of having very complicated words that may have things in them that we recognize. But as a whole, it is something that we don't. And a lot of his titles, especially track titles, are Mm -hmm. like that 
Whereas a lot of his tape titles are stuff like Nerve Scrap. Yeah. These two words maybe put together. Initial shock. Stuff like that. Yeah. It's kind of simple. And I like to think it's like you have words that you think you might know what they mean, but you probably don't. Uh, a big one for me early on was the Symbioplexus tape on Labyrinth. Yeah. On and, Labyrinth? Yeah. Cool label. Have we? I don't think we've done a Labyrinth thing. We, we, we have not. Should. We, yeah, we had discussed cool doing one, but uh, yeah. yeah, we'll we'll figure that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had discussed that, but you know, we thought, you know, it was just kind of, it was just time to do something from the Pure series and- you know, mm-hmm. we just this just seemed right in the pocket again of what we were all kind of listening to this week. A lot of harsh stuff, a lot of lot of stuff with its own character. Right. Like CCCC. Yes. CCC. I did that. I did for that time. Uh, <laughs> Look, I've learned See, I got a trick. You think of it as CCCC. That's it. You just think of it oh, as that's what right, 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 right. Or you could just go CCC. C. Look there, you're gonna throw it. Kara's <laughs> the derailer. She's gonna do it in a weird way that doesn't quite make sense. Yeah, I was sorry. I was looking at the the original tapes track list, and it's like um, Lepretengence, Suck Solcus, Legridual, uh, Infomorsis, like all of these things. I looked them up in Latin, in English, and all these things, and I, I couldn't crossed. Ari Throsen. Did like, you look again, them up I, in French Canadian? Um, yeah, I actually I translated them to several languages. <laughs> <laughs> I even I even like to pick the words apart, then look up the individual elements to see if something was added on. Damn. But uh, I, I didn't, you know. Well, hey, like a few of them were like species names for insects, but not all of them. Anyway, I don't want to reveal too much because I think it. I, I like the mystery being preserved in in this. Well, it's all mystery it's, it's here fun. where we get no track titles on the right. CD. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, hey, maybe we're going to have to just try to get down to the bottom of that mystery someday through all his tapes and all his releases. And he's got his other project, Fold. P-H-O-L-D-E. Yeah. And that's... I haven't really heard much of that stuff. Have you, Gray? I heard some when he started the project. I had a couple things, but uh, I think they're in a box somewhere i haven't i haven't seen them in a while and i i remember it being uh much slower ambient work but i think it's it's like the bowing of metal more than the filing of metal yes yes well we'll have to check it out but if you want some just nasty junk 90s noise nerve scrap what do you say? Go for it. You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years. By Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at Noise Extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to Noise.